tears on my pillow that won't dry on the road beyond my ears. I've no sorrow, but today I don't walk alone. Good evening, everybody. We're going to start out with a joke tonight, so we're going to call Joey up here, who should be here waiting. Here's Joey. Hello, everyone. I am Joey the Jokester, and I've got another joke for you with the assistance of our joke consultant here at Alcoholics and God. Budget's pretty good. We got it. Thank you, Chris. All right. All right. Here's a joke. Uh, a penguin walks into a bar. The bartender says, so what will it be this time? The penguin doesn't answer because he's a penguin. Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Alcoholics and God Speaker Steps here. We've had our joke. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Mike Chase. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start the two-minute meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that will make noise and will distract others. Sit up straight, concentrate on your breathing in, pause, concentrate, breathing it out, make that a secular thing, and I tell you, after two minutes, you'll be very calm. We, take the, we do this to take time to get reconnected to God. We let the crazies of the day drift away, and we ask God to help you stay focused at our step study tonight. Is everybody ready? Great. If so, let's start the meditation. Enjoy your time with God.
We're going to start off with the fog light prayer. If you don't know it, just follow along. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light, so those whom are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have a, discovered a common solution. We have a way out which we can absolutely agree and which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news the book carries for those who suffer from alcoholism. I've just asked Tom to come up and read Spiritual Experience. Come on up, Tom. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have a spiritual experience. So I guess it's kind of important to know what one is. Uh, you know, in the big book, it is has three points where they tell us to reread it when we discuss what a spiritual experience is meant to offer. So I guess that's true. Come on up, Tom. Tom, alcoholic. Spiritual experience. <clears throat> the term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in the big book, which, upon careful reading, shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God-consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few obsessions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God-consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. <clears throat> Excuse me. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. Uh, we find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is content prior to, inve in, prior to investigation, uh, which is a quote by Herbert Spencer uh, on Alcohol Alcoholics Anonymous, pages uh, 567 and 568. Thank you. Thank you very much. Please refrain from disturbing others. Speaking of that, 
Do we have our folks on the treadmills tonight? Are they, did they show up to us? I suppose they do. We've got a bunch of guys treadmilling during the meeting. That's a great idea. Please refrain from disturbing others by, no, it is. Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up or treadmilling. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane meeting mode or just turn them off, perhaps. So I have had the opportunity to walk this journey of recovery 13 years with Joe here. He's the, uh, he's the, he's the man that introduced me to uh, what the big book's real purpose is and how to work it and how to use it. And it's always an honor to hear him, and it's even a special honor to have this, like, in-personal step series we have with him tonight. So, um, a gentleman that I love and respect, I'd like to bring up Joe B. Gurr uh, to tell us on his 10th session. God bless him. Have fun up here, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Joe Hi, everybody. And um, those that are here and those that are, these are our... Uh, faithful servants that are sitting in the audience here tonight. For those of you that are in the Zoomiverse, they're here week in and week out, and they stage this whole thing. And, you know, it's been a it's been a learning curve for, I think, all of us to get used to the Zoom thing. I'm still not used to it. I'm still uncomfortable talking into a camera. Um, so thank you for the guys that are here to, to be here, because it makes me just kind of feel much better when I get up here. Um, so... I was thinking, uh, you know, as as the meditation started, and um, we uh, at the Wednesday night study group, uh, which is my home group, uh, we typically used to and still do. Uh, we just haven't done it for a little bit. Um, during the eleven step process, we do what's called the sanctuary meeting, and uh, you know, the group affords me the the flexibility to to take an entire meeting where we do um, something that John Williams started many, many years ago. And, um, you know, the the sanctuary meeting, he felt was, you know, just as, just as much as the moment of silence to really get focused and really get clear and clear away the wreckage of, of all the things that are going through our mind uh, on a daily basis, weekly basis, or what have you, uh, so that we can focus on what's being said, because a lot of times we come into meetings and we're so wrapped up with, you know, conversations of, you know, job and relationships and money issues and holidays and COVID and all that stuff. And, you know, it, it, they're, they're, they're burdensome. They weigh us down. They, they literally uh, have us miss a lot of things, things that are happening, things that... Uh, you know, kind of those those heavenly whispers that God sends us sometimes. We, we're so wrapped up in these tight conversations. And what what's difficult is to shut them down, to quiet the noise, to just bring ourselves to a place where we're actually um, focused on the next 50 minutes or so in a meeting where we really concentrate on what's being said. And a lot of times, I mean, I mean, we're all subject to it. We can get so much noise going through our mind that we miss so much of what's being said, don't we? So what I was thinking about when Mike did that meditation was there's certain things that we have to do or that we should do with real intention, right? Like intentional focus, where it also takes discipline and it takes commitment 
to literally stop myself in my tracks and focus on exactly what somebody is trying to have me focus on. And it really is helpful to do a, a meditation like that, to have the guidance, you know, the guidance of, of what we're going to be doing, what, what we uh, hope to achieve through that process. Um, and John was real adamant about that. And I know Mike just kind of carried on that torch into his meeting here tonight. Um, but it makes such a difference. He was uh, a real advocate of the moment of silence being used for exactly that purpose. So that when we get into the meeting that we are going to, you know, hopefully be centered so we can maximize the value of why we're there, of who we are, what we are, and why we're there, right? And uh, when we get to the 11th step, he, w- he, he created the sanctuary meeting. Um, John was a real transformationalist. He did a lot of things outside the box. <laughs> and uh, I was fortunate enough to kind of like be in his shadow while he was doing a lot of this creativity and um, he thought it would be extremely valuable for an individual to create what was called an inner sanctuary, a place that we can go any time of the day or night, you know, whether it didn't matter what was going on outside of you, right? It didn't matter what was going on in the world. What he, would, what he did was he created this, uh, this meeting where he would do a guided meditation, and it would be done closed-eyed, and it would be done with music, it would be done with song, uh, but it, mo- for the most part, it was a f- guided, facilitated meditation where he would take us on this journey where we would, we would literally be able to create from nothing our own personal inner sanctuary that was personal to us, that was n- nobody else was allowed in. It was almost like this place that we could go and commune with God um, to do the work that we needed to do, to, do, to get centered, to, to converse with people in the spirit world, to converse uh, with God and get counsel and, 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 you know, request healing. And, you know, when we get to the step 11, don't we, don't we kind of, aren't we kind of asked to do that by seeking through prayer meditation to improve our conscious contact? They're saying to improve our conscious contact. Well, that means we must have contact, right? I mean, when they talk about having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, they're talking about something that has occurred already, aren't they? Right? So we've had this conversion, this transformation, this cater- caterpillar to the butterfly experience where prior to going in, once we make that decision in step three, we, go, we undergo a really uh, major change. We go through a changing process and, uh, you know, it consists of decisions it consists, I mean, there's a lot of ingredients that I feel go into it. Um, dedication, obedience, um, commitment, discipline, uh, uh, you know, all these things that responsibility, accountability, all the things that, that really um, we hope to accomplish through this process so that we can come out the other end with a manageable mind, with a mind that manages life better, right? Or at least completely different to the way it was when we came in, right? So we, 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 uh, we, we do this process and, uh, you know, I don't know about anybody else. I mean, I'm probably talking to a few people out there in the universe that have done this meeting and uh, the sanctuary meeting. I know Mike has, and I, I think some of the other fellows may have, or I'm not sure. But um, once you create that inner sanctuary and you 
design it and you uh, uh, decorate it and you make it personal to you where you you are alone with your creator specifically for that purpose um, every now and then you want to go in and re- renovate it right and uh, but typically it, it usually remains the same and I've had some wild ones I've had some that you know I'm not going to talk about from the podium tonight because they're personal to me but they're uh, out of this world, so to speak. So um, when, we get, when we get here, we have developed not only this, this uh, access, we have gained access to and developed this channel that we have been able to uh, connect with the power source, right? And um, so it's, it's pretty cool. When, when I was thinking about that, uh, when the meditation came on and that music came on and, and you were talking about what we hope to accomplish with it, you know, you can't do that by the seat of your pants. You can't do it just on the fly. It, it, it doesn't work. You know, for us to try and do catch up work with prayer and meditation, it's really uh, not too effective. You know, we're kind of like ahead of the curve We're we're, we're out there, you know, the, we're out there doing what we're doing. We're living life. We're doing life and we're responding to life. And a lot of the times we do prayers as a result of that. In other words, we're asking for things, you know, to, 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 to bring us back to a state of mind that, that would be more effective and more manageable, but we've already, we've already taken the leap out there and to, you know, to, to, uh, execute, Without that first, you, you understand what I'm saying. So, in other words, um, it would be more effective, right? It would be more effective to um, really have a strategy, to have a to have a method, and to have an approach to treating our alcoholism. And you know, I've heard one guy say that he was every day he woke up, he woke up with untreated alcoholism until he made a decision to treat it. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, untreated alcoholism is an alcoholic is a, is a, is a, is a an unmanageable way of thinking. Part of it is unmanageable thinking, and I have to really hone my skills and develop these skills where I have intentional commitment, where and with added with discipline, where I can actually treat my unmanageable mind first thing in the morning. And what do we treat it with? We treat it with God, right? We we call on His strength. Um, so I don't know. I just thought I'd bring that up. Uh, you know, we, uh, last week we talked about step 10 and, um, you know, we have been implementing this design, right? We've been implementing these spiritual principles into our life. And at the same time, we're discarding selfish and self-centered principles. So, you know, the, the, it doesn't, it just because we go to meetings and we, uh, you know, have a good job, and we're doing life on a daily basis, doesn't mean that we're going to incorporate, you know, the honesty, the hope, the faith, the courage, the willingness, the integrity, you know, all these things that, that the steps literally represent or the, are the, the essence of the steps are these principles. We're not going to incorporate them until we really kind of intentionally do it. You know what I mean? We have to have uh, focus on it, I think, um, and I think a lot of times we'll go through our day never even thinking about it. You know, never even thinking about it. Um, 
And what happens is this, you know, we, 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 we come into AA and I'm going to do this little exercise that kind of expresses what I'm talking about. And Mike says, I got to walk up to the cameras to make sure that this is uh, seen by those at home. So we talk about the promises in the ninth step, don't we? We talk about uh, this new freedom, this new peace, this new uh, happiness and ease and comfort, this fine, you know, all the insecurity uh, that we had when we came in here, the self-conscious, all those things seem to be dissipated. Like we've gotten to this place where we come into AA fractured in a million pieces and we just can only fantasize about what it would be like to be different, to, to have these things that people talk about in AA all the time, right? This relationship with God, this intimate, authentic, uh, empowering relationship with other human beings, this become this vessel that, that harbors love and harbors, you know, all these things that are just so foreign to us. And, but it kind of can resemble a, a glass of clean, pure water, Right? And we go through this process and we go through this refining process. We go through the investigation. We go through the confession. We go, you know, we, we uh, get on a daily program of action to get rid of these defects of character and to incorporate um, character assets, you know, the, the, the uh, development of things that are good and helpful to other people. And we do all this work and we get glimpses of this pure, clear glass of water. And we get there by step 10, right? We've had this spiritual awakening. We see life differently. We feel life differently. Everything is different. We have a different perspective, a different interpretation. We have been given this spiritual pair of glasses, the spiritual view, right? And it's incorporated in us. It's part of who we are. We've got this design now. And if we don't intentionally make a decision on a daily basis step three, right? To incorporate this design by taking inventory, you know, remembering where I'm parked, what are my motives? What am I focused on, on a daily basis, right? And talk to people about it and commit to change, which is six and ask God for help. What happens is we'll go through our day and every now and then we'll start doing this. We'll start taking some of that old stuff and putting it out there in the world. Perhaps we you know, offend somebody and we don't clean it up. Perhaps we talk to somebody in our family and we don't clean it up. Perhaps we embellish the truth or we go to a place where we have sworn we'll never go again, right? Well, you know, what happens is all that new pure glass of water starts to get contaminated, doesn't it, right? Perhaps we are following somebody around and we know that they're struggling. We can see that you know, they're, 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 they're somewhat disadvantaged and all of a sudden they drop a $20 bill and they keep on walking and we pick it up and we don't say anything. Well, if you don't think that plays on your mind and your conscience, you're wrong. It will eat you up to do the things that we used to do, that we were in such agony and such a, a disarray and conflict on the internal condition all of a sudden we're starting to contribute and then we're starting to look for ease and comfort because of the things that we're doing on a daily basis that reflect the old and we can't live with ourselves. And we don't tell anybody about it. We start to conceal it. We start to keep those secrets and it starts devouring us 
And all of a sudden, you don't have that pure, clear glass of water anymore. What you have is the same dirty vessel that we came in the doors with. And we're pretending to be sober. It's so dangerous, which is exactly why I'll be right back. <laughs> which is exactly why step 11 is after step 10, right? So it says, it's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels, rest on our achievements. We touched on this a week ago. We're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle, feel, subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we, have is, what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Well, when we start pouring that dirty water back into this vessel, our spiritual condition is immediately disconnected, right? God is nowhere to be found when we're doing those dirty little deeds, thinking we can get away with it, thinking that we can compromise on our principles, right? Perhaps somebody's doing something in your orbit that is terribly offensive or talking in a way that's terribly offensive or a subject matter comes up and it's, it's one that's offensive. And all of a sudden you're sitting there listening as if it's okay. You don't stand your boundaries. You don't stand up for your boundaries. It's called compromise. And it can be so subtle and we can let it back in. So it's vital that when we make that decision in the morning, we're making a decision I like to call it a contract with God that the way I'm going to display to him that I really mean what I say when I want him to manage my life and I want, I want to be placed in his care is I am going to take inventory. I'm going to talk to people about it. I'm going to commit to change and I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask him for help in the removal of those things. And I'm going to make amends where necessary. So, we have done so much work to get to this place where we can enjoy the freedoms that come along with, with what we've done, right? Um, we'll always have the allergy to alcohol, but we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. So it says much as our, you know, in, in the beginning of step 10, it says we're, gonna, we're going to, that we're at this phase where we're going to, uh, uh, grow in um, um, understanding and effectiveness. Well, how do we do that? How do we grow? How do we begin to grow in understanding and effectiveness? Well, it's only by implementing this design. It's only it's only by my commitment and my discipline to intentionally work this program and 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 keep an eye on myself on a daily basis. It says, uh, what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Well, I know how I can best serve him. And it's simply by doing the very things that it talks about in step 10. It says, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. 
So if we're continuing to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear, I am in the state of doing inventory. (laughs) We started it when we did step four. Right? When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. That's six and seven. We discuss them with somebody immediately. That's step five. Right? Then we make amends work quickly when needed. And that's eight and nine. So we have implemented this design that keeps us free. But it doesn't mean I'm going to be free tomorrow. It means that I have to make a decision when I get up in the morning that I'm going to be doing this that day. Not tomorrow, not the next day, not the day after that, next week, whatever. I'm going to be doing that in the morning when I wake up. Because if I don't, I'm going to walk out the door of self-will and not God's will. Right? And I am in dangerous territory when I'm doing that. I always like to say the best state of mind I could possibly ask for is to be out of my mind. I don't like being in my mind. (laughs) I just don't. So then we get to step 11. And um, they're going to, we talk about, uh, it says, it suggests prayer and meditation. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but I didn't understand what meditation was. And I, only knew scripted prayer. I mean, I I knew I knew the I knew certain prayers when I was a child. I mean, you had to learn them in, in grade. For me, I had to learn them in grade school, right? I had to learn them in Sunday school, and they were they were literally scripted. They were never backed up by emotional intention or or thought or feeling or anything like that. I mean, it was just. Just a monotone recital of the prayer. Well, that doesn't do any good. I mean, if there's no if there's no attachment to that by my heart, it it means nothing, right? It just means nothing, right? It's like it's like praying to that wall, right? So I have to know who I'm praying to, what I'm going to ask him, and 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 why. I mean, there, there's things that go into this. It's just like conversing with another human being. You know, if I got, if I got, if I, if I walked up to somebody and said, "Do you go to the store today?" They look at me, and go, "What are you t- babbling, idiot?" Right? So they're going to teach us exactly what this is. And mind you, I had to do a little external research. You know, you can do that in AA, right? They, they, uh, you know, Pat always talks about hitting this wall. You know, if I think that what I'm doing in AA with sponsorship and just going to meetings and and and, and doing that type of thing, that I'm going to grow, I may grow for a while, and I may attain some really great heights, but eventually I'm going to hit a wall. Right? I need to go. I need to AA. I believe John always said this. I go to AA so I can take AA out there. Right? So I, I come into AA, the 12 steps put my hand in God's hand, I become a free man, and I take that freedom out there. I take that program out there. I take that design out there. I just can't go for an hour a day and, 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 and display that design and then walk out and be you know that, that, that person that uh, wants to contaminate everything. Right? Be selfish and self-centered. I can't do that. Because I'm heading for trouble if I do. Right? So um, they talk about prayer and meditation. So 
my prayer meditation has changed and grown and um, developed over time. And um, one of the ways that happens is I have to take what I've learned here and do what they say to uh, expand that 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 play, that that uh, belief system and expand that relationship with God. I always told John, I said, look, you know, John, I, I mean, I, I know I, I'm doing these things and, and I just feel like there's this, this uh, such a distance between God and me. I mean, between me and God. I just, you know, it's like he's, he's so far away sometimes. I, I don't feel him. I don't sense him. He says, I said, I really want to get to know him better. He says, well, if you want to get to know him better, why don't you read his book? Like, that's one of those aha moments. I never thought of doing that. I never thought of reading the Bible. I never thought of reading spiritual meditations. I never thought of reading spiritual literature. And there's, a, there's tons of it out there. Anything that gets me out of where I'm at, where my feet are at the moment, and connects me to the power, connects me to being a giver rather than a taker, it's valuable. It's, it's really valuable. So I started reading that book and I started reading other books and I started reading morning meditations and, you know, all of a sudden it's like, you know, there's an old saying, it says he's come to all who have earnestly sought, right? God has come to all who, has er- who have earnestly sought. Well, I don't get anything for nothing anymore. I can't, I can't expect him to come into my life without seeking him. So there's things that I have to do that are dedicated, take my time, take commitment, may take even a little sacrifice of my other thing, my extracurricular activities, whatever I'm doing on a daily basis. There's times I need to set aside to connect with him, to thank him, to praise him, to worship him, to have conversations with him. Relationships take work, man. Just go try to have one with somebody and think it's all going to be a one-way deal. It's, it's not, right? I have, to, I have to give to that relationship. And the thing that really blows me away is that I always, you know, I told you this before, that I always thought that, that, that God was this, uh, um, that he was, uh, That the relationship was going to kind of have to be, I have to agree to it. There's no, there's no negotiation. There's no uh, give and take. It's just like whatever it, whatever he dictates, I gotta, I gotta abide by it. That's not the case. I realize that the more I seek him, the more he reveals himself to me. Literally, I mean, it's a two-way relationship. It's not a one-way relationship. But I had to work at it, and. This is how I did it. I did it with this prayer meditation. Now, they, they give us some real good pointers here. At first, the, the, the first thing that, uh, that Bill does is he, he talks about, first thing he says, he says, this, this, this prayer meditation, it works if we have the proper attitude for it, right? We have to be open to it. We can't, we can't come in with this, uh, this uh, obstinate, stubborn, spoiled little child attitude with it. It's going to be my way. I, you know, it's like 
the whole thing about God for me is that it's nothing like I thought it was. Nothing like I thought it was. Like I grew up with, you know, this, this, this understanding and this belief system, right? That had God be this, you know, this, you know, this, this puppeteer and this man with a big stick and like, you know, uh, uh, you get out of line, you're going to suffer. And I'm going to tell you something for a lot of years out on that road out there, that troll Avenue that we have down the street. Right. I, I thought I was life sentenced to feeling the way I was. And that was, that was my penance. That was my, that was my sentence for doing all the things that I did, the stealing, the lying, the cheating. I just wanted to come in here and believe that there was some kind of forgiveness for me. And I have found that I found that forgiveness. Um, and believe me, if I can find it, anybody can find it. If I can have a relationship with God, anybody can have a relationship with God. It's not exclusive, right? It's inclusive. That's what they say. Um, I didn't believe it, but I believe it now. Matter of fact, it's the most important fact in my life. There's nothing, there's nothing on earth that's more factual than that, than my relationship with God. So um, Bill talks about this proper attitude. Well, we've been gaining this proper attitude as we work through the step process, right? You know, we, 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 we come to this place where we've had this awakening, this, this uh, experiential transformation that comes about. And um, he says that uh, when we retire at night, so he goes into retiring at night first. I think this is pretty cool. He says, we constructively review our day, right? Now listen to this, because you probably have heard it before. It says, were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? That's inventory, right? I have to specifically and intentionally monitor where my mind is, where my conscious thoughts are on a daily basis to make that determination right it's not just going to come out of thin air and listen when we're when we're resentful or we're selfish and we're dishonest or full of fear we pretty much can figure out where the heck it came from right says uh do we owe an apology have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once were we kind and loving toward all it's a great freaking day when you can be kind and loving toward all, isn't it? Especially nowadays. Emotions are running high, at least in, in my orbit. It says, what, w- what could we have done better? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? Or were we thinking of what we could do for others? Of what we could pack into the stream of life? But we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. After making our review, we ask, we ask God's forgiveness, and we inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So there you have four through nine, don't you? Right? Selfish, dishonest, afraid, resentful. That's, we identify that when we take an inventory. Do we owe an apology? We're, we're, we're looking for, do I, do I owe an eight and nine? Eight, a step and a nine step, right? Is there something that we kept to ourselves which should be discussed with somebody at once? That's step five. I mean, uh, it, you know, and then it says at, at the bottom, it's not necessarily in order either, is it? I mean, but he, all the contents, all the ingredients are there. 
And then it says, after making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and require what corrective measures should be taken. Six, seven, eight, nine, right? So on awakening, then he goes into on awakening. I believe he went to what we should do when we retire at night first so that we don't take anything to bed with us, right? I mean, what could be better than getting a good night's sleep on a clear mind and waking up that morning and being able to do a step three and, and, and you know, make that decision of what we're going to do that day to uh, turn my will and my life over to God's care. And notice, they talk about these things in the 12 and 12 called emotional hangovers. These emotional dry benders, they call them. And what they are is the excesses of yesterday's negative emotion. Right? You know, perhaps we, uh, we had an argument with somebody in our family. You know, perhaps you had an argument with your wife or your husband or your child, you know, or you said something that, that, that demeaned them or insulted them or what have you. Um, I always say a lot of times that, that what I want to say is, is the right content, but my delivery stinks sometimes. You know, I may say it in a, in a, in a way that, that hurts people or backs them up. That's ineffective. <laughs> All they're remembering is how I said it, not what I said. I mean, you know what I mean? That's what happens. So, um, if I didn't clean that up, the longer I let that ride, the less inclined I am to actually clean it up. And I become restless and irritable and discontent. And eventually I get so contaminated with that, that garbage that sometimes in the past it used to be where I, the only thing I could think of that would give me ease and comfort was drinking. So we got to be real careful with, with carrying this stuff around. So he's telling me here at night to do these things, and when I need to clean something up, I clean it up before going to bed. So on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead, not yesterday, <laughs> right? It says, uh, we consider our plans for the day. What am I going to be doing today? Who am I going to be seeing today? Who am I going to be interacting with today? And I always, I always know that I'm going to be running into some incidental uh, contact with people that I might be tempted to act badly, right? Like on 95, right? 95 or the grocery line, you know, going to Costco. You'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's like, it's like the experience of hell. You go in there, you pull in the parking lot, you're, it's like, it's crazy. So I've got to be on my guard says, uh, we consider our plans for the day before we begin, right? At home, when I wake up, before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking. Step three, right? Step three. It says, we, we uh, asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Well, last, the last step in the big book, we, learned, we got our will back. We learned what the proper use of the will is. Inventory, confession, commitment to change, asking God for help, and making amends where necessary, right? That's the proper use of the will. That's going to keep me free. That's going to keep me from harboring any negative stuff. 
It says, uh, our thought life will be placed on, much, on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. You can just imagine, like, if you get up and you're running late and you hit the snooze button 15 times and, like, you just don't want to get out of bed, but you got to get out of bed. And even with that, you get a bad, a- I mean, I get a bad attitude. I mean, it, ha- it happens, right? And I get out of bed and I, I don't have time to make the coffee and I, I, I you know, I, I should feed the dogs, but I don't feed the dogs. And I turn on Channel 7 News and see the carnage and all this other garbage going on in the, in, the, uh, in the world. And I'm primed, man. I'm primed. And what I do is I walk out that door and I, kick, I slam that door shut. And I'm ready for somebody to offend me. Who's going to offend me now? I'm like walking out guns a-blazing. Is that God's will? Is that going to place me in a, in a position to be helpful? No. <laughs> It's going to place me in a severe condition to be hurt. And listen, a non-alcoholic or a non-drug addict, they could probably get away with that and then like clear up the rest, you know, this, that afternoon and what have you and get their senses right about them. What about me? Well, if I'm walking out that way, I'm going to be restless, irritable, and discontent, angry. I'm going to remember resentments that I shouldn't be remembering, right? And I'm I'm placing myself in a position where the only thing I can think about is the sense of ease and comfort that, take, that comes in a split second by taking a drink or a drug. And usually, nobody's thinking about relapse before they relapse. Typically, right? Typically, it happens exactly that way. We go out and they go... Why, you know, people wonder, why does a man walk directly in the saloon of, of, of what was he thinking? Well, I can tell you the two primary things that he was going through, and that's resentment and fear. Either I'm worried about not getting something I want, or I'm, I'm worried about losing something I already have, or I'm pissed off at somebody or something, and things just aren't right with me or to me, right? And I start feeling like a little victim. I start sucking my thumb, and I'm ready to go to battle, Battle with what? Doesn't matter. Could be an innocent victim. It could be somebody that just happened. You know, they talk about these these run-ins that that are always possible in our lives where, you know, we think somebody's doing something intentionally to really make us angry, right? (laughs) For lack of other language, right? To really, like, they're doing it to me. Like, I take it personal, Right? Maybe they cut me off, or maybe they take that parking space that I've been hoping to back into. Or, you know, maybe, they, they, uh, you know, maybe they're just doing something that, that, that offends me and, and kind of interferes with what I'm doing. Well, I never take into account that they may be having a really difficult day. Maybe they were, maybe they were in a rush to see their loved one in a hospital that just got in an accident. Who knows what that person's going through? But I make the assumption they're doing it to me. Man, I'm telling you, we got to be careful. Sometimes we can walk around like a loaded gun, right? And uh, God forbid you have that little fish on your bumper or a, a triangle on your bumper. You know what I mean? They look at you and they just go, what a hypocrite, right? You know? Um, what am I reflecting out there? What am I? What am I hoping to honor and glorify out there? 
Is it this God that just gave me the miracle of life? The miracle of freedom? Gave me, a, gave me an opportunity to be involved with a program that gave me everything that I know. I'm having a life that I wasn't supposed to happen. All of us are. Do you know that? I'm living a life that was not supposed to happen, given how I was showing up on earth. I deserve the worst. I mean, I was, <laughs> I went to jail a lot. But truth be told, I should have been in jail all the time. I just didn't get caught. Right? So, what am I giving off? Right? What am I spreading out there? It says, on awakening, let's think about the 24 hours ahead. Well, how do I do it? I've got to take a moment. I've got to take a couple minutes and literally play that movie forward. Everybody knows who they're going to be interacting with at work and here and there. And we're going to go to a meeting. I'm going to see someone. You know, what if it's somebody that I need to clean up what I needed to clean up? I'm worried about them being there. That I got to, oh my God, what am I going to do then? My pride starts to kick in. You know what I mean? All these, all these things can really send us off on this emotional dry bender. It says our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. Well, I can't take that for granted one second. I don't know about you people. I don't know about anybody out there. But I can't take it for granted that my thinking is going to be cleared of wrong motives. Man, it can happen in a, in a, in a nanosecond. All it takes is a, is a moment, a second, and I'm not prepared for it. Right? Or I'm walking around with expectations. <laughs> like Johnny used to talk about the script. I'd write this script out about how the world should be and how they should be and what they should respond to. And how, you know, it's like the actor that wants to run the whole show, wants to be the director. That was me. Right? I'm walking around with a script in my hand that would spell a perfect day if everybody would just abide by my script. Well, everybody's got a script. I didn't realize that. You know, I was one messed up dude, right? So I have been given this, this ability to manage life a thousand times better than I ever did before. It says, in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. It says, here we ask God for inspiration. Who are you conversing with? Where's your mental focus when we're out there doing life, are we seeking counsel from him? Are we asking him for his care and protection? Are we asking him to, to move us in the right direction? By this stage in the game, we sure should be. It's either that or you're depending on the guy or gal in the mirror, and that's dangerous. That's, you're setting yourself up if you do that. I do it from time to time. I'm not like a, I'm not trying to say things that I don't experience. If I didn't experience them, I wouldn't be able to communicate them to you. But I know I'm not the only one, right? It's kind of like a human condition, right? Self-reliance, baby. That's it. it says uh, we relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. If you're free inside, you don't struggle. You're kind of like having an experience of life rather than going up against it, right? It says, we often, we're often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. <laughs> now listen, what used to be the hunch and the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. 
Repetition is the mother of all skill. I have to decide every day how I'm going to approach that day. Every day. The, the, the 12 and 12 says that the, the, rest, the whole rest of the program depends on how well I do step three every day. I have to decide, man. Either I'm going to decide to connect with God or I'm going to decide to be full throttle with Joe and just walk out there with reckless abandon. That's what I do, right? It says, um, being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, right? It is not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Well, how would we have that presumption? By thinking that we can stay sober and act well on yesterday's recovery. Like yesterday's decision and my display yesterday is going to carry me through. No, it doesn't do. It doesn't work that way. This is like God all the time, right? I used to I used to have my morning prayer and I used to have my my evening thanks. That's what I was taught to do, right? Get on your knees in the morning, and when you get when you when you stay sober that day, you get on your knees and thank Him at night. Well, that was good for a little while. But then I started to realize, man, I'm, I'm like calling on him all day long for everything, everything. It's like partnered. It's like linked. If you want to be free, how free do you want to be, right? So it says, um, <laughs> we might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Oh, I locked my keys in the car. Must be God's will. Lock myself out of my house. Must be God's will. Come on, man. That's garbage. That's foolishness. What a cop out. There I go to blaming God again, right? It's not my fault. It's God's fault, right? She must have left me. That's God's will. No, that's all on us. That's all on us. What did I do to set the ball rolling? Remember when we talked about how how we kind of discovered that? Right? In the fourth step of the fourth fourth column of the, the fourth step? Must be God's will. Must be God's will. Come on. There's a certain point in life where I'm gonna have to start taking responsibility for my actions. And stop blaming. People come in here and I hear them all the time. They're so angry at God, they take the position that he doesn't exist. Really? What did I do? How did I make all this kind of like Come together. You know, and we can always relate. We can always track it back to self-will, can't we? Usually. So it says we usually conclude we, we, we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. That we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom of self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves if others will be helped. So it's not just for my good. It's for my good and the good of all concerned, right? It says, um, we're care- careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. So... Um, down at the bottom, and I'm just going to touch on this before I close. It says, so like we get to this place in step 11 where it asks us to take it to another level. 
you know, personally for me, I go to church. Uh, I love church. COVID, I mean, listen, thank God for Zoom, right? Thank God for Zoom. Wish we'd have, you know, a little bit forethought. We'd have put, probably put a few bucks in that, that stock. But, you know, wow. I don't have that kind of thinking. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's ways, to, there's ways for me to take my relationship to another level. And it may not be an AA. But it's certainly seeking to improve my conscious contact with God and my relationship with Him. It says there are many helpful books. Right? We sometimes select and uh, you know, I like to say that my scripted prayers really kind of evolved into conversations with God. Like these conversations. Like he's my, he's my dad. He's my, he's my guy. He's my go-to, right? Of all things. It says, uh, we can ask our priest, minister, the rabbi. It says, be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer, right? We come in here completely fractured in a million pieces. And then we're asked, based on your experience, Joe, are you willing to believe that a power greater than yourself can restore you to sanity? Well, what did I have to lose? Nothing. I wanted to die. How well was what I've been doing working out? It wasn't. So I, on that, just that one cornerstone, I, I'm willing to believe that something's possible for me. And I do this work, and all of a sudden, my hand is literally taken and put in God's hand. And I have a relationship, as far as I'm concerned, second to none. Right? As, a, as we go through the day, we pause. When agitated or doubtful, we ask for the right thought or action. I don't ask the guy in the mirror, I ask him. And he'll give it to me every time. You talk about coming from a place where I had to have ease and comfort from booze and drugs to a place where I have an endless resource, an endless well of ease and comfort that comes from my creator in good times and bad times with certainty at all times. That's just amazing. So next week we'll talk about how to give this message away. All right? How to carry the message. Thanks. Thank you very much, Joe. That was amazing. Let's give Joe another round of applause, please. I think we should have a secretary's report, so that would be Joey, the secretary report. Hello, everyone. I am your recovered alcoholic secretary. My name is Joey. Hello. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are going around. Baskets are going around in here. Um, For all you guys, never forget AA.org or your local intergroup site, AA Broward, for example, if you're in here in Broward County. Um, You can go on their website and uh, follow the links and give online. Um, The vid. Zoom may be doing well. But we are, we did take a little bit of a hit and we are out of our prudent reserves. You know, I got more than that from news. A beautiful message from Joe. Anyway, yeah, anyway. Uh, Through God, through him. Amen. All right. As a member of this um, group, I'm asked someone to read the recovered statement. We read this here. Um, Specifically, pardon me, I've asked Tom. 
Our reader. Our reader. He's a reader here. He's great at it, and we love him for it. Um, we've asked him to read the recovered statement to explain why many people say recovering rather than recovered alcohol. All right. Thank you. Tom. Recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. The present, uh, uh, that presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime, but we will have uh, been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than his body. Uh, we, are not, we are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. All right. 1940-style big book sponsorship. From the forward of the second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The the statistics above suggest a 75-plus percent success rate. All right. um, At this time, I'm uh, asking for a show of hands of all you recovered alcoholics. Quite a few hands. Under 10. You know, not that many people here. All right. Uh, (laughs) Ask for show of hands. Anyone that needs a sponsor in the Zoom room, please raise your hands. Be brave. Um, pop those hands up and any, all, all you recovered alcoholics, um, anyone to see your hands raised, please reach out to them, um, and, and help bring them to God, please. All right. Um, at this time I have a little announcement that, um, we've enjoyed Joe Bear immensely. Um, Gur, excuse me. Um, and, um, but following Joe, we have Isabel from the beautiful New Jersey, Ayo, um, she will be here January 7th. We're looking forward to her. Um, but yes, and Joe has one more session, um, step 12. We're looking forward to that as well. So just to make that announcement. Also, Monday night's Big Book Study Meeting, where the Big Book comes alive here. Um, fellowship starts at 6.30. Big Book Study starts at 7.15. Um, pop over to your local intergroup, pick up some CDs, mugs, large print, big books, little red books, big book dictionaries. We meet every Thursday here, fellowship at 6.30, meeting starting at 7.15. We ask you to be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. Thank you, guys. Tonight, we have all our past speaker podcasts online at alcoholicsandgod.org. You can also go to Facebook and look for the group called alcoholicsandgod.org, and you can join that, and you can preview these past video podcasts online if you'd like to. I'd like to invite everyone to the Monday Night Big Book Study once again, and those who wish to thank the speaker, please line line up down the center aisle. I just want that next week is a holiday, in case you have forgotten. We will not be having our meeting, but there will be Elkathons all over Zoom land, so check out those. Spend some time safely with your family. 
Uh, so Joe will be taking out. Oh, what a way to end 2020 with a, a little bit of fire from Joe Bear to get us psyched up for 2021, which we'll start off with Isabel. What a great way to start also. So let's close with the Lord's Prayer. By the way, I will see you guys next week and Godspeed and all that good stuff. So if you'd like to join me, who will bring us from shame to grace? Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Godspeed. See you guys Monday. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy everything else that you do. Thank you so much, Joe. God is heavy. Soul is thirsty. Body is aching.
zan, zan, zan. Oh, when you smiling. When you laughing, when you laughing, yes, the sun comes shining through. But when you crying.
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go.
God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
dignity. Got one man that just won't send. 